So today on Life Talks, we're going to be continuing our conversation on angels and demons and devils. Oh, my. Yes. That's what, I mean, remember when you're a kid, I think we've talked about this before, but when in Christian camp, they didn't have ghost stories, they had demon stories. <laughs> and they were, about that. those were way scarier than ghost stories. <laughs> it was kind of like if the, if the missionary ever came over to your house, you know, like, like yeah. a lot of us in the small churches, oh, the missionary, they, they like, tell the stories. Do you have any stories? <laughs> of course, and of course they did. I mean, I remember as a pastor's kid, Sunday night, you know, you have the, you know, the fellowship afterwards and, yes, yes. and they would tell the stories of gather around of, the circle of the demon possession. But but I think the thing about the demon stories when you're a kid is, I mean, people who didn't believe in the Bible or God, and they tell ghost stories. I mean, there's this always this kind of like, oh, yeah, that was kind of cool, but eh, I'm not sure if it's really real. Mm-hmm. When you're a Christian, you hear a demon story like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> that's a real thing. Yeah, I mean, you- we saw behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, well, my name is yes. Dan, and this, uh, the other guy talking is Ben. We are the teaching pastors at Life Fellowship in suburban Charlotte, and this is Life Talks. And today we continue our series on Doctrine 101. And uh, as we kind of, you know, <clears throat> approaching the, the train station to uh, um, conclude this series, um, these three topics we've kind of let overlap because yeah. we are we are again looking uh, beyond the ethereal curtain, looking ephemeral curtain. I guess it'd be the, the spiritual, word. yeah, and 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 trying to uh, you know just figure out some of this stuff that the Bible yeah. alludes to, but isn't particularly clear. So we've yeah. talked about angels, um, and I pretty hopefully destroyed everybody's notion that <laughs> angels wear long flowing robes and have robes or have wings and long blonde hair. But um, the demon part is darker. And I think in America, we're a little resistant even to to talking about it uh, because other parts of the world, for whatever reason, um, anecdotally at least, we would see more demonic activity or at least more apparent. I was going to say, I I think it's more apparent. If you go to, you've been to Africa. I've I've never been to Africa, but I've heard people that have gone to Africa say you can feel it over. That just you can the sense, especially in certain areas. Most of all for me has actually been Asia. Really? Yeah. Okay. uh, Among among Hindu particularly. Okay. Okay. Um, But uh, like India, Mm -hmm. uh, Thailand, Mm -hmm. um, but also the Caribbean. The Caribbean. Yeah, because the voodoo and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I mean, I think that we. I know we. We walked into this, the introductory of the demons and Satan last uh, episode. What I really wanted to talk about today was what do they do? You know, how do they work? Because I think a lot of Christians, um, we we can get, we can sensationalize it. We can get so focused on it. I mean, one of the most famous little sayings in our culture is the devil made me do it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Flip, was that Flip Wilson back in the 1970s? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a- Before you guys were born. I know. I <laughs> I don't even know who Flip Wilson is, but, but you know, there's that saying, the devil made me do it, which theologically isn't true because the devil never makes anybody do anything. But I'll tell you what, he does, he does some pretty amazing work at, you know, making sure that he does everything to get you to make that decision, right? So, you know, if you look at the, if you look at scripture and just- Overarchingly, what you tend to see is that um, demon, the, the demonic Satan and his demons, do everything to try to oppose and destroy God's work and God's people. Mm-hmm. That that is their fundamental job. I mean, they they just look at it, even though they know, um, you know, 
read the last chapter of the book, they will be condemned to the lake of fire. Like there's a judgment awaiting them. Even the demons cry out when they see Jesus. Are you here before our appointed time? I mean, what were they talking about appointed time? It's this time of where God has has pronounced judgment on them and they will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Yeah, and they don't seem to question that. That, that to me is very interesting. Somebody asked me, what, are, what is the agenda of the devil and the demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, my reply, they're, and, you know, it's a cliche Christian thing is we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Yeah. Um, to, to me, though, that applies on the other side as well. They're not fighting for victory. No. They're fighting against victory. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, there's no honor, there's no goodness in it. I mean, it's like if someone knows they're going to lose, they're going to lose dirty and they're going to do everything they can to take as many people with them. Well, yeah, you often say the purpose of the devil in the life of a believer is to, Steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, and and I would probably add divide and disrupt. Too. Oh, hundred percent. And and yeah. um, that that truly is the work of Satan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think there's a. So I wrote down a bunch of things that the enemy does, and some of these some of these works are only for unbelievers. Some of them are only for believers, and some of them kind of they they're for you know everyone. So, I mean, um, if when you look at scripture, a couple things that it says, especially for non-believers, it's they're at work in them. It says in Ephesians 2, 2, when, when uh, Paul's describing the sons of dis- disobedience, it talks about how Satan is working inside of them. And it's, so, so we know that there's this sense of, he has, he has some ways to manipulate and work inside of non-believers that's way easier than, than unbelievers or than believers. Um, the second thing that we know he does to non-believers is he blinds their minds. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses three and four talk about how the God of this age has blinded the minds of people to keep them from understanding the gospel. So there's, there's this intentional work of um, helping them to not understand. Like I remember my dad telling me the story. I have my own stories, but I just, just, this just popped in my head, but he remembers he used to be the visitation pastor. We don't have those anymore. Do you remember? I, do you remember I, the visitation boy, pastor? Seventies called yeah. one of their, their nomenclature back. <laughs> so my dad was was a visitation, visitation pastor for four years. He was actually visitation and youth pastor. He did both those together. But of course, he, um, more than one naturally. Job. <laughs> naturally, you got to do two jobs to pay get one paycheck. Um, but he he remembers he had to make four visits a night with people every night. Holy and God. that was his job. He had to call, I mean, just cold call people and just go in their homes and tell them about Jesus. And he said, I remember going on this huge description of the gospel and I, this guy was just kind of sitting there nodding. And at the end of his presentation, he said, where do you think God, dogs go when they die? It was just kind of like, <laughs> it wasn't really you hearing anything I said here. Uh, but yeah, you have this, you have this kind of this blindness. The other thing you see is, um, by the way, the dog question actually came in last week as a, a they won an episode on that. Just it just hit me. I remember they that, Are you kidding they, me? There, there is a there is a request for an episode. I mean, I, what I happens to animals when they die? Oh, we so, are so adding that. Should we make <laughs> Should we make that a debate episode? You think? Anytime we can make it a debate episode, I want it to be a debate episode. I'm just going to as the producer. I'm just going to let you know. Be pro animals in heaven. Dan's <laughs> yeah, gonna be. yeah, because you don't want me to get the you don't want to get the hate mail. But I'm sorry, I'm just, to interrupt you. I'm but, just teasing. But the fact that you pulled that illustration out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Just, anyway, it's a real question. Must have been an angel <laughs> inspired you to. Yeah, I'm sorry. Anyways, um, so, so we know we all we also know that when Jesus tells parable of the seed and the sower, the first seed falls on ground that. The birds take and steal. And he illustrates that that is what the devil does. When the gospel seed hits, it's like the devil snatches it away. So there's this, there's these works that 
the the enemy does to non-believers to keep them in bondage to sin, uh, to keep them as as it says again in Ephesians two, sons of disobedience. Yep. And 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 one of his tools on this, and mm-hmm. I, and I think we believers need to be so aware of this because, and as I know you're going to, you know, the relationship between demons and believers is different than between demons and unbelievers. hundred percent. But the the divide, the destroy, and so distraction is part oh, yeah. of that. Just like the the person who is hearing the gospel. Thinking about dogs, yeah. you know, the distraction. And and Satan is constantly trying to distract us with mm-hmm. circumstances, with with problems, with inconveniences, with social media, with the media, yes. and, and so forth. And and if he can bring – and that's why scripture talks about bringing every thought into captivity yes. because Satan wants to disrupt our right thinking. Yes. And, and you said distraction. I would say that – I'm going to give a category of, of what – the devil and his demons do to both Christians and non-Christians. And the two biggest ones are what I call deception. Like oh, yeah. there, there's his, I mean, we've just gone full Baptist here. We got deception. We got description. We got division. <laughs> Man, this is an alliteration. We're alliterating. I mean, God is, is smiling down on us right now because we're alliterating his word. You know, there's this idea, you know, um, we see from the very beginning, what is the serpent doing to Eve? He's deceiving her. He's giving her. He's Jesus said it about the devil in John eight. He is the father of lies. He's been lying from the beginning, going all the way back to that that, that narrative in Genesis three. Um, he distracts. He deceives. He he's trying to tell half truths, you know, in, into you and and make you think that what you're, you know, how many times have you sat with someone across the table or in their living room and they're saying, God wants me to leave my spouse. Hmm. Right, mm-hmm. I've prayed about it, yeah. and you're like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure God didn't tell you that because God. I mean, there, there are legitimate reasons. You know, I'm not. I'm talking about illegitimate, selfish. Yeah, I'm reasons, not happy. Therefore, it's okay. Sinful reasons, yeah. and typically, what I find is when someone's like so adamant that I can't work this out with my spouse, and if there's been no abuse, no sexual morality, it's it's. I promise you, there's about ninety five percent of the time there's someone else. Yeah. There's someone else there, but, but there's a deception thinking I'm going to, I'm going to be happier. All my problems are going to be gone if I just marry this person and, and leave my deadbeat, you know, husband or, or wife. The, these are deceptions that the enemy gives us in thinking that, oh, if I eat that apple, I will be like God. It goes all the way back to the very beginning. You know, do you, do, do you think, and I'm sorry, I'm heading a rabbit trail, but I think I think this may resonate with more people than we might even be aware of. You know the idea of um, unwanted intrusive thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. it's the person who's standing on the edge of a building and say, well, I wonder what if I, if I threw myself <laughs> off this. And you're like, where did that come yes. from? I'm not going to do it. But so I often wonder about unwanted spiritually disruptive oh, thoughts. Oh, 100%. I, I mean, yeah. I, I deal – I mean, I've been a believer for 50 years. I really believe this stuff. And then every once in a while, I'm like, do I really have this right? Yes. You know? And yes. I'm like, well, where did that come from? Yes. I mean, I'm a seminary professor. Yes. I can't be having these thoughts, but but what if I'm wrong? Yes. <laughs> you know? I think that one of the, one of the, if people could see inside our heads, mm-hmm. they would be like disgusted. But I, oh, yeah. I, but oh, yeah. I, I honestly believe that a lot of these things, what I've learned to do, I've just taken a book out, a, a chapter out of Jesus' book. That when those thoughts pop into my head, mm-hmm. I just say, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. I'm able to identify it and say, that's not something I want. That's not something that I, you know, that I'm, you know, where'd that come from? Yeah. You know? So I think that there's- And I do and I do think that's part of bringing our captivity, our, our thoughts, thoughts into captive, captivity. Yeah. But there's an accountability with captivity. You've got bars, you've got a cage, you've got, uh, you, you know, anchors. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I feel like 
And that's why Jesus, when he was getting those unwanted invitations to defy truth, mm-hmm. always responded with scripture. Always. Which is Matthew why we ought to be four. reading the word yes. and memorizing the word. Yeah. Is is for me, a lot of times it'll be that, that I have to stop and quote scripture to myself. Yeah. And then that refocuses and re-anchors yes. my thinking. I, so deception, I, I think the devil will always deceive. He kind of plows the ground with false half-truths or lies or whatever it is, and then he plants the seed of the temptation. Like, that's Mm -hmm. how he works. So deception and temptation go hand in hand. Temptations, and again, these are both believers and non-believers because we see— You got to go back and say that again because I think think that's a very powerful truth, that before Satan plants his seeds— God parted the heavens and just gave (laughs) it to me. No, I mean, it's so true. So because— I need sound effects on a podcast mixer so badly. I mean, but isn't isn't that true? How you can be when I'm depressed, or it can be when I'm when I'm angry, or but there's there's something that's made me more susceptible to lies. That I wrote down deception and temptation back to back, and it just hit me before I even start talking. It deception always comes first. There's always a plowing of the ground to make you believe a lie. To make you believe what what you you know your desire is good and God's desire is, is false or or you have a skewed view of reality, but it's all to open up the to to plow the ground so that when He tempts you to say, okay, now take the bite of the apple. Yeah, it's yeah, this makes sense. It ma- it makes logical sense. That the, the actual thing that you would have never done three, four, five years ago now makes complete logical sense. That you're like. We, you've heard the saying, no one wakes up one day and says, I'm going to have an affair with right, someone. Right. But you know what happens is there are there there's plowing the ground of deception for years, and then there's planting these seeds. And once, you know, James gives a great illustration of that as well. But I, I just think that this, we see this over and over again. And just because you're a believer and you have a new nature and you have the Holy Spirit and you have the word of God and you have all these benefits and it's true, you have greater power inside of you than he that is in the world, Christians still fall into into the the traps of deception and temptation. So um they're everywhere and I think those are some of the most common ways. I mean we we look at some of the more supernatural ways and we like well that's you know the demon possession those mm-hmm. kinds of things. But typically, you know, most of the most of the work of the enemy is is deception and temptation, mm. you know. Um so so that so we have those and that, that next when you look at just the against Christians um you see a couple things that that the that the enemy does specifically for Christians, and he may do these for non-believers as well. But you really see this pronounced, especially in the New Testament, and that is, you see this harassment and suffering. So you have this reality of um, Paul's Paul's thorn in the flesh, right? He says that there was some, a messenger from Satan to harass me. And so you have this thing in your life, whether it is some kind of suffering. Um, We also see this in in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, when um, John writes, or the messenger gives John a message and says, some of you, the devil will throw into prison. So future tense, get ready for this. So there's these attacks, these these suffering, this um, harassment that the enemy wants to do to Christians. Why? because he wants us to not enjoy life. He wants to rob us of steal, kill, destroy. He wants to steal and rob joy and peace in our lives. And so what's he going to do? I'm going to harass you. I'm going to put you in suffering. I'm going to give you uh, a situation that just is going to tempt you to rob you of joy. And so that's how the enemy works. And along with deception, temptation, he wants to ruin the joy in our lives 
to say, yeah, I hate, I hate life right now because I've got this sickness. I've got this, this kind of thing. And so we know that when the enemy brings suffering into our lives, whether it's a personal attack from someone, someone, you know, personally, you know, almost, you know, you and I've been around, and I don't think this is exclusive to the pastoral ministry, but you and I've been around long enough where it feels like this person feels like there is something bigger than I don't like what you did, pastor. It feels almost like a, an attack from the enemy through a person. And so, yeah, we all face those kinds of things at times. And so um, harassment, accus- and the next one is accusation, that there is this, the, the devil loves to accuse. In fact, that's one of his names, accuser, to accuse us of, oh, did God really say, right? To plant doubt. He accuses us, oh, God, God's not forgiven you. Or, you know, make us feel guilt, shame, condemnation. The enemy loves us to live in the past, to remind us of what we used to do. Um, he is an accuser and he loves to do those kinds of things. So, you know, th- these are, these are this is the work of the enemy. And, and fi- I mean, I saved, I mentioned it prior, but probably the big one I saved for the last is demon possession. Okay. And demon possession, some people believe, um, I would say this. The majority of Christians believe that demon possession can only take place in the life of a non-believer. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we believe that is because scripturally, I, I hold to that. Not do I believe that that the demonic can oppress? Yes, absolutely. That, that's what I was talking about the harassment. They can oppress, they can attack, but they cannot indwell. And the reason why is because when you're a believer, you're a new creation. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. There is a there, there's an ownership of your body that I don't believe the enemy can can take a hold of, um, and and but but you do see demon possession all over the place, especially in the New Testament, causing both physical and mental anguish. I mean, some 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 people that Jesus freed from demons were blind, some were mute, some were you know the old woman that was bent over. So there are physical maladies that sometimes are are demon result of demon possession. Now, I, I don't believe that every single person that's blind, I mean, right, please right. do, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there are unique situations where there may be physical manifestations to a spiritual demonic possession. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and and this is where, and, and we can't go into it because it's just too complicated for this kind of format, but mm-hmm. this is where you start, I start thinking about demonic territories and mm-hmm. so on. Because the things I have seen in certain countries around the world yeah. that would be more consistent with the biblical descriptions than we see in the United States, yeah. Yeah. where we have a, a, a still, I mean, arguably a dominating Christian influence at mm-hmm. some level mm-hmm. historically. But when you, there's some places where the gospel has never really fully taken root at all, like yeah. India mm-hmm. and, and so forth. And some of the things I've seen and and friends of mine, you know, in parts of Africa and so forth, where the physical affectations of demonic possession yeah. make Americans, you know, make make our heads spin yes. like like we're in yes. a bad horror movie. Yeah, I, I, uh, um, yeah, those are those are real things, and yeah. and I think that's where we get into the fantastical that people are like oh, but but it's it's real, right? It's yeah. it's going to happen. But and. We have another episode on this topic, right? Do you want to have another episode we, on this topic? We need to because, because – <laughs> I've got multiple questions. I feel like we need to do a part yeah, four. I, okay, good, because I was really rushing through some of these <laughs> yeah. things. And, and what I want to talk to you about is 
the fact that I think some Christians toy with this area. Oh, 100%. And so on, on a practical level, I, th- hmm. I think raising awareness of this without, you know, again, you know, one of the things that frustrates me is about our charismatic friends is that sometimes in their excess and in, in their superficiality and in their flat out unbiblical conduct of, you know, that then we're kind of like, I'm not going to talk about that at all because I don't want to be, oh, yeah, I, I don't want to be perceived right, to be one right. of those. Yeah. I mean, every, people, everything is a, you know, handling snakes and at, well, casting and, and not only that, people want to make everything a demon, a demon of this, a demon of that. A yes, demon of this. Yes. So, so, and everybody so, needs deliverance. So everything yeah. that you, that's wrong in your life is because you need deliverance from a demon. I don't believe that. Now, again, do I believe that there are demons that can tempt and, and distract and do the, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I believe that. I just don't believe that every single time I make a bad decision, it's like there's a devil. I'm, no, yes. Sometimes I'm just an idiot. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just yes. a sinner. Sometimes yeah. I'm just- The biggest demon we face sometimes is just our own self-will yeah, and yeah, yeah. rebellion. Right. I, I, I said, I've said yeah. this in previous podcasts. If, if God took the devil and all of his demons and already put them into hell, mm-hmm. okay, or the, I should say the lake of fire, we as, human, as humanity would still sin. We'd still do horrible things to one another because you know why? There, there's a fallen nature to to all of us. Now, it might not be as pronounced. There might be different levels of this, but I mean, we we, we just I don't want to give I don't want to give credit to the devil for everything that he doesn't necessarily. We got to take blame and responsibility for our own actions, and so. Um, do let's just stop right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get I, I, I can't wait to open the next episode, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because do you have a demon story, Dan? N- uh, well, we'll just say tune in. To life talks. <laughs> oh, no, man. it's not. It's not a story, but it is a question. Okay. And and I, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to tick some people off with the question. Oh yeah, so so you Maybe don't want to. Not that's so, that's so unlike my, Dan. My... That's so unlike to tick people off. <laughs> yeah. Why are you being so that. controversial, Dan? I, sometimes, he never seems worried about taking I, people off. That's no, but the thing. sometimes truth is controversial. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as always to our listeners, we say thank you so much for engaging us uh, through Life Talks, for listening in on mm-hmm. our conversations, um, and for participating. Uh, yeah. You know, there is rarely a day that goes by that Ben and I, and some, often both of us, uh, you know, have somebody come up and engage us about one of mm-hmm. our previous episodes. We're grateful for that. Uh, this is an important part. We do this, and it's a lot of fun. There's no, there's no question about that. But this is also very intentional. Yeah. Uh, we we want you to learn to engage the scripture in your daily life, and to work out your salvation with faith and faithfulness. Yeah. And so um, we hope that by being transparent and talking about issues that just flit across our mind, that that will encourage you to do the same always under the microscope of scripture. But thanks as always for listening to us here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. Life Talks is a ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.